You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Broadcasting from the Blanchistan Center. This is Phoenix FM. The internet is a communications tool. Use the world over where people can come together to teach batteries and share pornography with one another. According to the Nerd Index, you should be upside down in a junior high toilet around the clock. Yes, yes. We'll do it live. Tag is in, tag is out. Never miss communication. It's over 9,000. My name is Foxy. The balls are in there. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Nerd to Know Basis here on Phoenix 92.5 FM. Uh, with us, we have the wonderful cast of characters. Hey, it's Bryn. Hi, it's Katie. And Kian is currently AFK making a cup of tea because we are nothing if not professionals here. <laughs> uh, and I would like to start the show off with a with a formal uh, affirmation. Bryn, I'm sorry for the slander I have I've I've thrust upon you. I finally watched the expanse. Oh thank God. <laughs> Space Mormons. Oh. Space Mormons. Uh, did, have you watched it as well, Katie? <laughs> No, <laughs> but that, I was yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, that's like that's one of my favorite details from the earlier season, from the earlier, uh, I, from like the first book in the earlier seasons. Yeah, I remember because my brother watched it, and I remember walking in when he was watching it, and I was like, "Why is there a Moroni on that spaceship?" Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's critical plot elements in my big oh. space fantasy. It, it is, just yeah. no, it just it brought like old bad memories just screaming back. <laughs> oh. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I'm like three seasons in and it's, it's great. It's, 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 it's bloody just, fantastic, isn't it? It um, just, what I, what I like I, to kind of echo a lot of the statements you were saying when, when you were selling it on a couple of weeks mm. ago, like it's, it's like, it starts off as just really, really good character drama, mm. just kind of with a kind of a spacey feel. And then when you kind of understand the way the world works and how the characters work, then it starts throwing high concept sci-fi at you. Yep. Space yep. Mormons. Yeah. That's not even the high concept stuff, Katie. No, that's 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 the normal. That's like, oh no, these people still have religion. These are still yeah. just no bum ass people, but now they're in space. Oh, like it, it's one of those things that like um uh because I'm one of those people who has read the books as well, is that like the certain details that you just don't pick up on just from the show itself. Like <laughs> Like the whole reason why the like the Mormon the Mormons are just, are making this giant spaceship to go into space in is because they can't stand the, like a like because of like the way things have gone on Earth everything is like there's like every, like pretty much everything is like can it, it, it's become like a hyper controlled environment so there's population controls and like all this kind of stuff so having a polygamist religion. <laughs> doesn't really fly <laughs> you know and there's a whole like a huge amount of that kind of stuff goes on a huge amount of those, of those factors force the mormons into going fine we're going going off into space to find it to find somewhere where like where god will lead us to a promised land cute tim curry going nice. <laughs> yeah. well, it's, it's, the, it's the one it's the one place that uh the untouched by capitalism space <laughs> uh, you know and in the setting of the expanse that's not remotely true <laughs> <laughs> no it's the opposite capitalism's reach reaches far and oh, wide man but yeah uh, it's, uh, it, it's it's so like the the show is so damn good um like the acting in it is really really stellar oh every oh. everyone just yeah. nails it obviously um, like avasarala just yeah. every word that comes out of that woman's mouth yeah. is just fire also uh kev who's your favorite character and why is it amos <laughs> god you're not wrong um <laughs> except for when it's bobby draper oh yeah it's mad that she used to be on shortland street on what 
uh, Shortland Street. It was basically like uh, the New Zealand version of Holby City. Oh. Yeah, and there she is in power armor. What? Like a lot of actors get their start on soap operas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but especially, like, especially in like uh, Australia, New Zealand, that's very, very true. It's less true here. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, like, I mean nearly, look at the Hemsworths. Yeah. Yeah, nearly and, every and single Minot. actor to come out of Australia mm-hmm. either comes from Home and Away or Neighbors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, but this, you know, like Russell Crowe. Nicole Kidman. Margot Robbie. <laughs> Margot Robbie. Although, one face uh, I actually didn't expect to see in, in like an episode I recently saw, uh, just Simu Liu just showed up. <laughs> the, the, the guy who played Shang-Chi. Yep. Just in an episode, just yep. there. And I was like, Why oh, that's not? awesome. I can't wait for him to be like a guy. He gets de-atomized by the end of the episode, but yep. it was fun to see him. Yep. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it's not a big thing. It's not. It's not. There's a lot going on where There's, I'm at about that yeah. point. Yeah, it's... Uh... Oh man, the show is just, it's just, it's just great. It, it's just really, really great. Mm. Um, yeah, like, I mean, oh, I, I think like, like it's one of those things where like, there's so, like, it, I think one of the worst things about the show is that there's so many points that kind of like highlight is going, this is such a great moment, but you know, people haven't seen it so i can't talk about it because it's spoilers yeah no <laughs> like that's, there's there's only so many times we can just kind of go no trust me it's great no seriously yeah, guys like trust it's, me it's great yeah. but i will say like for it. yeah if it, if like if you have prime and you're looking for something that kind of scratches the itch that so the sopranos or the wire or some good really kind of I mean, I, high I, like kind of uh I mean, like golden I, I, era I'm, TV. I'm like. very, I'm very, con- I'm very content with calling it Game of Thrones in space. Um, <laughs> and don't forget, if you enjoyed this programming and would like to learn more about the Mormon Church, please visit www.mormon.bookofmormon.com. <laughs> uh, my favorite thing, just sidetrack on that, is like, um, one of my favorite things I learned was that, like, uh, when. Um, the Book of Mormon show was on initially. Um, the Church of Mormon had bought, had, uh, bought out uh, ad space on the back page of their programs where it would just say the book is always better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they did the same with um, uh, the, the episode of South Park where they were yeah. making fun of the Mormon church and the, the Mormon church came out with an official statement that was basically just like, if you enjoyed that episode of South Park and would like to learn more about the Mormon church, please visit yeah. www.mormon.org. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> even still, what I think is really, really funny is like, I mean, like that, that episode of South Park is one of my favorite episodes that they've ever done, mainly because I love how it ends where it's still like, it's still like the uh, the Mormons going, but we're actually just like you know well-adjusted people, so it's really you who who needs to sort out your life. Lies. You know? Yeah, and the, you know, <laughs> but like, yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know, uh, it's a it's a real shame to like to watch that episode and then watch the new season and go, God, this show really lost its way. I mean, how long can a show run for before they just run out of ideas? How long can a show run for that's trying to remain topical nonstop? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think it, I think a huge amount of it is that like it kind of it kind of I think where where the show really suffers from is that like you know when they start when they started doing it they were very much writing it still being in touch with who they were as kids. Yeah. You know, and then okay, I'm late. I'm going to say South Park. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And hello, and, everyone. By the way, thank you for outing my tea habits, Kev. Yeah. Consummate professionals. Yeah, the, Please don't tell anyone how I live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a person, an Irish person drinking tea, surely not. Uh, in I'm this sorry, economy, what, what were your enlightened points on South Park? My apologies. Yeah. Like you know, the the show started off where it was like writing about the writing about the kids, and then. It, you know, over 10 seasons, it shifted to be more about the adults because they were now firmly adults. And, you know, now they're at a point where they're like, where like they're so far removed from being kids that they can't really write about being kids anymore. Yeah. And, you know, like it, it, they're just kind of getting a bit, they're just getting so far removed from it that, like, you know, they don't, they're not really the same as the characters they're writing for anymore. But see, I mean, now, admittedly, I am late to the conversation, but I always thought that it was like, 
they just moved the parent characters to the front the same way the Simpsons writers they, in their golden years kind of it became more about Homer than Bart, mm, you know? Absolutely. But it's the same, it's the same thing. It just took them longer to get to that point. But they have but now they're at that point where they're past the curve of we'll go where like that works because they were they were doing that and then it just it just stopped like the, the jokes just stopped landing, you know, yeah. like the I mean the everything they did with uh Randy having integrity uh, farms just didn't work. I'd said of a couple of jokes here and there, it wasn't that funny. I, I like Towley being the scooter kind of messenger. <laughs> yeah, but no, again, like there were again, like I'm not saying that like it, that there weren't funny jokes. It's just that like overall the premise wasn't super funny. Well, wasn't started, there a it shift started feeling like there narrative, was like kind of arcs and series as well? And well, yeah, they they did that for like three seasons, and then they kind of then they, they kind of just like did it did it for like half seasons or like for mm. you know three or four episodes, and but then like after that they would do standalone stuff. Like they did, they, I think like two seasons ago they did one where um, it had so many references to David Lynch's. Dune movie that I couldn't help but love it um because it's you know like that David Lynch's Dune is one of those films that like I know it's bad but I love it awful oh we just awful, watched it for the awful. first time the other night it, it's so fascinatingly so fascinatingly terrible a lot of interestingly like interesting ideas interestingly presented and none of them work. <laughs> Awful movie, awful, awful. Yeah, but I can't stop watching it though. <laughs> See, I feel like the movie would be twice as good if you took out, which I found out were studio mandated. Mm. If you took out all the bits of like hearing people's thoughts, like yeah. not even like mind reading, but you can just like now and again, a character will just think, This yeah. is that character I hate. Yeah. And in the last half of the movie, it doesn't but happen. And it, you're like, oh, it's suddenly 10 times better. Yeah, it's that really, it's that really weird like thing of like it's not just that like, they're it's like their inner monologue, it's that they're whispering it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Right. And, He's doing the voice. Could yeah. you imagine? I'd love to do an experiment where you like you took the original Star Wars, The New Hope, and just yeah. like had people like C3PO whispering, Here come the stormtroopers. Yeah. I must run into this cupboard. That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where like that's a terrible idea. Like, that's a terrible idea, but I kind of love it. <laughs> like, <laughs> but like, hey, the, hey, listen, guys, don't, don't, don't fucking, don't announce our, uh, our, our, our new hot plan on, on live radio. Yeah. <laughs> We've got to make money here. <laughs> Absolutely. But like, one of the things I think is so interesting as well about that film is that like David Lynch was offered to do Return of the Jedi mm. and he turned it down to do Dune instead. Oh no. And, I kind of I want to like if I could ever go to an alternative universe I want to go to the one where he did Return of the Jedi could you imagine Stevie is pointing this out could you imagine what something like the Sarlacc would look like in a David Lynch film (laughs) (laughs) or like the Rancor or the Ewoks any of the weird creature things yeah even the Ewoks man (laughs) like like, Jawas yeah I think the only thing more tantalizing to me as an idea of like you know, I don't know what's more exciting, the idea of, like, David Lynch's Sarlacc or David Cronenberg's Sarlacc. Ooh. <laughs> I feel like David, like, the Cronenberg Sarlacc, you could kind of figure out, but, like, Lynch, yeah. no idea. It could be anything. Now, you see, I think, like, I, I, I don't know what I'd say, what I'd expect from a lot of Lynch's Star Wars, but I'd expect there being a lot more Red Velvet. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Like, I, like, like the trippy dream sequences would be great. Oh my like, god! Like, I'm even imagining like a little moment where like Darth Vader like detects Luke landing on Endor, and like maybe mm. like crossfades over, and lots of weird shots of 2D things flying and hands <laughs> reaching out and that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, just live on the front lines here. I decided to just look to remember. I was like, what else did Lynch do? Like that was notable that I'm forgetting. I don't have to find that he's uploading daily videos talking about the weather. <laughs> what? Like one minute, 40 like videos, just, just David Lynch's weather report. Here's so the I'm weather glad, I'm, gl- I'm glad for him. I'm glad he's living his best life. Yeah. 
I, di- I didn't realize he was an, I didn't realize he was an aspiring weatherman, but here we go. Um... I love the notion. I want to read his biography now and just discover that he just wanted to be a weatherman and he keeps ending up being a successful filmmaker by accident. Like the I, I really, I really wanted to tell people I really wanted to tell people how cloudy it was outside. That's why I decided to have that weird baby thing in a razor head. <laughs> oh, could you imagine how much, like, maybe that's why he did Dune. Like, could you imagine the weather reports on Dune? Like, this, like, big planet thing, and just, like, he's put, putting up these little worm pictures of all the places to avoid. Let's see. The weather outside today on Arrakis is... Don't go outside. <laughs> it's 87 and sunny. <laughs> Scorchio. <laughs> the splice, the spice flows. <laughs> <laughs> the spice is flowing in a northeasterly to western direction. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> Guys, keep this up. We've got two potential spin-offs here already. <laughs> Imagine being a weatherman on like uh, on Arrakis or Tatooine. <laughs> <laughs> but like you could even do like Dune the director's cut with extra weather reports. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'd father Ted it. The extra worms. Extra, extra worms. worms. <laughs> Is this Can't a worm baby? <laughs> it's like it's I'm such a child when it comes to Dune because like I was complaining about the film in its first half and immediately I shut up as soon as the worms turned up. Yep. <laughs> like just hands waving like here it comes, you know. I'd even watch that 2000s miniseries just to see the, the bad CGI worms. <laughs> um, I have to say, though, the worms look pretty great in uh, Denis Villeneuve's one. Oh, yeah. I feel oh, like well. we're still, we haven't got the full reveal yet, though, is the impression I get. Oh, totally yeah. not. No. Sure, they have to write them and everything in the next movie. So, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, like the like that saying the worms look good in a Denny Villeneuve movie. Everything looks good in the Denny yes. Villeneuve yeah. movie. Yeah, well, that's so actually that's, the that's... fun thing because we did um uh the Villeneuve, I can never pronounce his name right, version mm. first, and then mm. we did the second one, the original, the eighties one second, and yeah. Stevie didn't know that worms being ridden were a thing because they <laughs> no, because seriously, the first film of Dune has completely held it back. All you have is clues. Yeah, are like uh, kinds holding the things before yeah. she dies, and a little shot in the background of someone on them. They're they're holding loads back in that first Dune film. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh well, like there's there like you know even if, like past the first book, things with the worms get wild. One of the main characters becomes a worm, and becomes God Emperor of the Universe. And if remind me if anybody knows, I think they ki- they have to kill him with a bridge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, as someone Dude, who's not that overly weird of a book, I'm surprised to hear this stuff. How many? Oh no! Like, at, like the first book is pretty tame by by all accounts. It's that like Frank Herbert got wild with like sexy '70s sci-fi in the later books. <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. As someone who's not overly familiar with Dune, this all just sounds absolutely bizarre. Oh, actually, this is a challenge is, me that and is uh, six, Stevie that have is been playing at home. Try and describe game. Dune, like just its premise in fifty words. Uh, people battle book. for a drug planet. <laughs> not that's bad. Sad. Not bad. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. But even then, you haven't got like all the religious stuff in it, or the worms. Yeah, but... or the spice. I mean, yeah, but the worm, the worms poop out the spice, which is the drug. That which is the drug. Isn't. The planet, yeah. like the planet, is a drug. There's yeah. I mean, that makes sense actually because I saw a meme the other day and it was like that worm is pooping money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh! Speaking of pooping money, did any of you hear that story about uh, people who bought like uh, who bought the concept art? It was like an NT, uh, NFT group. That oh, bought the concept no. art to, to uh, the um it was a concept art book of like the the person who was like doing pre-production on Dune before David Lynch picked it up in the 70s. And um, they thought they were buying the rights to Dune. Oh, I don't know. I don't I know that wasn't a concept art thing. They bought it was a first edition copy of the book Dune. <laughs> 
And they were convinced that they had bought Dune the concept. (laughs) Yeah. Let's be fair. If you're buying NFTs, you don't own anything. No, the thing is, they weren't buying an NFT. They bought a book. (laughs) Katie, that's not strictly true. You've bought receipts. Yeah. (laughs) You've bought a receipt is what you've bought. It's not, you know. Before we go into NFTs, I know this is going to eat the whole episode. (laughs) I only recently discovered that uh, Frank Herbert, the Dune author, was a relative of Joseph McCarthy, as in the McCarthy yep. hearings in the 50s. Yes. And yes. that explains so much about everything about Dune. Yeah. Like, absolutely, it does. Oh my God. Like, I mean, it's just, it makes me so happy to discover the world is just that small sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, like, maybe like Leo Varadkar has a nephew somewhere who's waiting to create the great housing like <laughs> sci-fi epic that we don't know about yet yeah but it's like you know um you know the father of uh public relations was the nephew of sigmund freud what? yeah <laughs> oh my uh, god like yeah. like this planet is wasted on seven billion people if like or everyone is who like oh. changes the world is related you know but, but, but this is why there's in history there's the great man there's the great man theory yeah, yeah. Like, basically, the concept is that like um like there's like basically like two different uh like there's two kind of competing theories for like how things come about. One is the one is like uh the um like uh the forces from uh like the like a uh, for like historical forces surge things into into a present uh in, into a present uh, fruition and then the other one is like the great man theory which is that like someone like Alexander the Great comes along and brings Macedonia into being a global power you know or like you know um you know like with like without Hitler Nazism never happened without Churchill there isn't a big surge in the uh, uh, Brit- uh British forces don't rally in World War II that sort of thing um but like you know, the because like uh, you can make these kind of connections because again, it's like I mean, with, with this with the idea that like there's a six degrees of separation between you and everyone else on the planet, these kind of connections are more likely to happen than they are to not happen. Okay. See, I mean, I uh, I always thought it was the other way around, where because you mentioned the pattern thing. Yeah. So I thought it was like you know we have these big historical complicated events and yeah. we sort of cycle through it and pick four or five important people and kind of bend everything around them well, it, it's kind of makes sense of it you know yeah i mean look you know i'm not i'm not um i'm not a history student so don't take what i'm saying is like like i'm not i'm not a historian so don't take what i'm saying is like gospel of just you know, between reading books and listening to people who know more than i do about it no no don't 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 mistake it Bryn's not Dara. no um <laughs> Like, you know, my, my understanding is that, like, you know, it's kind of like a combination of the two. Like, there right. definitely there definitely are people who have, like, a, an ability to bend reality to their will. Um, and then there's, and then there's, like, there's stuff like, you know, like, um, like, there, like, there have been, like, events that, like, where it's just been this surge of uh, historical forces have caused, have caused it to come through. Like, you know, uh, Ireland getting its independence was absolutely a combination of different forces coming together to make that, that happen, mm. you know? Like, um, you know, you could, I mean, you could nearly say the same thing happened with uh, Franz Ferdinand getting, uh, getting uh, assassinated. Uh, causing World War One and basically all of geopolitical history in the 20th century, because like you know, <laughs> people like uh, I think it was like Sarajevo. I'm I'm probably getting that wrong, but like he basically, there's a bunch of people who were just like sick of Franz Ferdinand and like uh, the his ruling class making decisions that were negatively affecting their lives, so they went out and assassinated them. Their assassination attempt failed. So the guy who would kill him went off to his local deli to get a to get a sandwich. Who would come around the corner as he came outside? Franz Ferdinand, so he shot him in the face. 
<laughs> oh my god I, I just the only thing that could have improved that story is if he was behind him at the deli <laughs> like in a Coen Brothers film or something that's like that that's a very Tarantino thing no Tarantino feel. like you're right yeah. the guy crossing the road like <laughs> What a way to go, though. Shot in the face when you're going to get a sandwich. Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. be honest, it is probably how I'm, I'm just, going to die. Listen, if you're the Duke Franz Ferdinand, yeah. why are you getting your own sandwich? So, Maybe no, sorry, it was like sorry, a really I, good deli. I said, okay. that the, I said that the wrong way around. The assassin went to get to his local deli to get a sandwich, and as he came around, Franz Ferdinand was driving oh, down okay. the road. Oh, <laughs> this is what I mean. Okay. I am bending history to make yeah. a more interesting story. Absolutely. But like what's crazy is like that one event shaped World War One, which then shaped World War Two, which then shaped the Korean War and the Cold War and basically brought us into the 21st century. Well, I mean, like, like that's what Dune is about, to be fair. It's yeah. kind of it it's sort of an anti-chosen one story. Because like about Franz Ferdinand. I'm sure he'll pop up sooner or later. I haven't yeah. read all the books. Yeah, but, but um, like I mean, like it's funny because like Dune very much starts off as the hero's journey, and then very quickly becomes the deconstruction of it. Oh yeah, I mean, all you have to do is read the book and read these like little segments where it's like the history from like here's something he did in fifty years time, and like mm-hmm. the chosen one does not come off as like a very nice or pleasant person, no. but you're following the hero's journey so like it's like it's almost like the book is daring you to buy the main guy as like luke skywalker but all like the evidence of what you're reading <laughs> yeah. shows you know this is just an incredibly complicated person and he's the most prominent face of all of it you know everybody knows the hero's journey isn't always an easy one yeah exactly <laughs> oh my god you have to add that to the weather report when you're done <laughs> after covering the worms bit yeah. <laughs> today today in Arrakis it's cloudy with a chance of worms <laughs> cloudy with a chance of worms and my disposition is bleak <laughs> the worms are pooping money <laughs> oh god oh my god can i actually do a little bit of news just while we're giggling of course they've literally announced no. 10 minutes ago the release date for obi-wan kenobi on disney plus oh yeah uh so it's the 25th of may class which is a lot of people thought they were going to go for the May the 4th thing, but uh, still, it's nice to have a, a release date, and they seem to be implying that Darth Vader is going to be in it, they've got Hayden Christensen back, so is yeah, that, things are Boba shaping F- up for Dara to be annoyed by it. Yeah, because that's because Boba Fett finished today, that's that's the next yes. Disney, uh, that, that's the next Star Wars thing, dude. I it? haven't seen it yet, please don't. Was I actually, it, I dropped I dropped Boba Fett after episode one, I'm going to be honest. Oh, was no. it Boba Fett or was Let's it The Mandalorian season three? Like, oh. like episode two is where he teaches Tuscan Raiders how to like ride a bike and it's like a banter. <laughs> You're right, the banter <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I, you know what, I, 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 I really liked Boba Fett. I liked its slow pace and um, it's kind of the way yeah. it's, I, I didn't it, like it's, how it's called the, the universe invaded Boba. it in yeah. the last two episodes but i like that steady pace i liked actually spending time on tatooine and just getting to know mm. the communities and things yeah it's called like, the book of boba fett not the short story of boba fett is kind yeah, of, yeah. Is I like mean, I how think, i felt by the first couple of episodes i mean like i mean i feel like if they were going to do a mandalorian type thing they could have at least spaced it out like two episodes boba one mando two episodes like something like that like not an mm. abrupt like like katie said swerve into series three of mando you know yeah. Uh, yeah, like that's like the pacing in, in episode one caught me. I what I'm so sick of Tatooine. <laughs> Why does everything have to go back to Tatooine? It's, it's Star Wars Arrakis. Uh, they literally have spice mm. and giant crate worms. I, yeah. I I just find deserts and jawas and jawas. Yes, everyone loves jawas. Kevin, come on. I mean, really. <laughs> Which is now canon in Star Wars that Jawas date people. Yeah. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Episode five. <laughs> they date your, people. Your woman who is the mechanic from the Mandalorian who bizarrely was the parody Princess Leia in Spaceballs. Yeah, was that uh, was that Amy Poehler? Or 
I'll look up now. Uh, and also, they seem to be big into their, like, 80s nostalgia actors, because the one who runs the Twi'lek bar is, like, the lead from Flashdance. <laughs> right. It seems to be, like, no some way. sort of inside joke inside the Star Wars, like, production side of things or something like well, that. You know what? Older actors need to be getting work, too. Well, maybe, but like Nick Nolte as well in the first series of The Mandalorian. But I, I'm uh, sure. I'm sure. Hollow Creed. Carl Ruthers. Yeah. You put some respect on him. I'm name. not criticizing it. I'm just um, saying I'm noticing they, it, and no one is commenting yeah, on it. But they have um, like with Nick with Nick Nolte, he was initially um, like he was he auditioned to be Han Solo. Oh really? Yeah. Imagine how different Star Wars would be if Nick Nolte was Han Solo. If Nick Nolte was Han Solo and David Lynch directed the first one. To be fair now, how annoyed would you be if you auditioned for a role and then they gave it to the carpenter? Fair, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's a very fair point. That's basically like the Sideshow Bob's audition from The Simpsons, how that went Mm. down. Oh my oh god! Oh my god! But it's uh, really I didn't know that. That was so like I I cannot imagine a world like I mean no disrespect to the actor but I cannot imagine a world where anyone else plays Han Solo even though we live in a world where I quite like the new actor who plays Han Solo. <laughs> oh, isn't that is that the same guy who's pushing uh, to play Robin Williams now? This is news to me. I forgot it. What's his name? What's the the guy's name? Oh. I, it's not Taron Egerton, but I know it, I think it sounds like Taron Egerton. It's, no, it's not Taron Egerton. Uh, um, oh, Google. I'm going to Google. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm still racking up um, 80s actors. Uh, the lead one from Cheers is also in The Bad Batch. <laughs> yeah. Alden so. Ehrenreich. <laughs> oh, okay. Never mind. No, because I, I was about to say Ansel Elgort. No, it's not him either. <laughs> no, there was there was another guy. Um, maybe he was in Rogue One. Maybe that's what it was. No, I'm the Kev. Kev's right. No, you're. It's a, It was. Um, I'm. I'm Wikipediaing now. No, it wasn't the one from Spaceballs. The mechanic, Amy Sedaris. You're right. But still, yeah. a lot of '80s people. I mean, that's maybe this, maybe this is John Favreau just because I think, yeah, I'm assuming I think Favreau was was still Book of Fett, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, I think. Um, well, the main director was um, uh, the guy who did the vampire film with Tarantino. His name is completely fallen out of my head. He Robert in all his films, Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. yeah, but I think I think Favreau did write all of it. Yeah. Oh, well, if it was Robert Rodriguez, yeah, no, that made I, I can see why he's just pulling 80s actors out of the hat. <laughs> Well, that and it explains the presence of uh, Machete and like as the Rancor trainer. Yeah, I was if Danny Trejo was Dan- there. Danny Trejo is an absolute treasure. Yes, he There's is. There's a documentary yes. on him, and I want to see it. Do you like? If is you it called Machete? His, if you follow his social actually. media, all he does is talk about like tacos and donuts because his son opened a taco restaurant and a donut <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. He's just oh like my getting God. my donuts on. <laughs> that's great. But that's but that's something that's been under kind of examined about Boba Fett as well, at least up until episode four, which is that people were complaining about the goofy like bikers and like kind of this weird like kind of there's like a tech mod community, but like it's super spy kidsy, and I'm down for it. You know, <laughs> I, I like the idea of in a post like Empire Tatooine like it gets a kind of a Dublin style lick of class that doesn't match everything that's around it. Oh, do you remember Spy Kids? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like all too Star well. Wars is this equivalent of it and I'm down for it. The thumb men haunt my living <laughs> nightmares. Non-stop. And Steve Buscemi being profound. Wait, was Steve Buscemi in Spice in Spy Kids? I call yeah. him Spice Kids. God, Spice Kids. <laughs> Let the That's spice the flow. <laughs> oh God! I think that's just doing Messiah. <laughs> yeah, Patton, whoever Frank Herbert or your estate patent that Spice Kids. Get that out there. Um. Oh, uh, like you know, if, if we're talking about Spy Kids, my favorite moment is when they get uh, Elijah Wood in the third one, having become this like shining like protagonist for like all of five seconds before he gets absolutely clowned on and this yes. was like the year after return of the king came out 
Oh, you have to get I through a watch. lot of really dodgy 3D shots to get to that point in Spy Kids 3, though. My absolute favorite Elijah Wood story was over the pandemic. He was just turning up on people's Animal Crossing islands. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever see him? No, because I don't do the stock market. There's a stock market? There, yeah, there oh, the turnips. The tur- yeah, so if you wake, if you play the game before 12 o'clock on a Sunday, there's this little pig that comes to your <laughs> island and sells turnips. And the uh, it the idea is that you you play it the same way you play the stock market, but it's called the stock market, as in yeah. like S T A L K. Oh my um, god! And so what you do is you buy turnips for a low price, and then you sell them at the shop for a high price. And so obviously people playing on different islands get different rates on different days. And the idea is to buy the turnips for under a hundred and then sell them for over a hundred. And so like people were going on Twitter and saying things like, oh, my turnips are selling for 250 today. And Elijah Wood would just message them and say, oh, can I come to your island to sell my turnips? (laughs) 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 Oh, Oh, God bless him. I've been playing Animal Crossing wrong. (laughs) Yeah, see, I'm not getting up before 12 on a Sunday to buy turnips, it's just not Mm. happening. Yeah. Says so, Katie uh, and I, I people in farm towns. And see, see, they worked it out as well because you the, you could get around that, say, if you just change the time on your switch, you know. But if you do that, your turnips rot. Oh. So you can't, like, if you want to play the stock market, you have to do it on time. If you change the time on your switch, your turnips rot and then they're worth nothing. Oh my God. I was not ready for maths on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh actually, like, no, the, I, I don't the, want to change the topic too much, but I did find the name of that documentary. It's called Inmate One, The Rise of Danny Trejo. And it has an impressive ah. 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, which Certified. I have never seen. There was, uh, I have there was, seen. It's called Paddington 2. I would agree with that, recently. but this film's been out two years. That's a lot of time for someone to get annoyed at it and downvote it, you know? Was it the new Spider-Man or something that got like the highest ever rating on Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, I don't trust those. I feel like you have to give it like six months because you've oh. got the hype. No, it's so good out. though, Keen. It's so good. I, I seem to be the only one who's like slightly ambivalent to the to the newest Spider-Man film. Oh, no. I, and you know what? I You know me. I have been Marvel's biggest critic for so long. and it That's was just, true. That's true. It was wonderful. <laughs> okay. All right. The, the nostalgia. I know, but nostalgia is fickle. Yeah, but I'm a sucker for nostalgia. Maybe, maybe we I'm all fickle, are. I That's know. the problem. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm personally a sucker for Willem Dafoe. Oh, Willem yes. Dafoe, yes. he's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like I I grew up at a time where I was not a big fan of Tobey Maguire Spider-Man uh, movies. Um, or a big fan of Andrew Carfield's one so I wasn't going like oh my god it's them again I was like, no but you know what I mean I wasn't either like look yeah. well, obviously when I was a kid I loved the Tobey Maguire ones because I was a kid and then when mm. I watched them as an adult I was like these are so cringe and then mm. I couldn't even get through the Andrew Garfield ones but still seeing them in the new one was just like ah yeah. like I yeah, actually like did a- I, I, like I like like I, I like that this one had the good sense to go. There's nothing scarier than Willem Dafoe's face. Yeah. So, <laughs> so let's just not put a mask on him. Yeah, let's just get rid of the helmet in the first five minutes. Um, you know, and that was a wise decision. Um, like, yeah, the, the, I think there's like there's too much to love in No Way Home to be any less than positive yeah it was just i think you know yeah no it's it's a it's a very like it must have been a script that was like surgically (laughs) for like for managing to get everything and not have the film considering the cliff considering like almost all of it was shot in covid like but like i think my fate my absolute favorite thing about it was like obviously they they showed the different stages of spider-man you know i mean you have the young Mm. one and then the slightly older and then the older one who's got like back problems and stuff but they actually showed at, you know, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man as like this broken man because he couldn't save Gwen Stacy. Well, yeah. You know, and he played it so well. He did a really good job. Yeah, I really liked how it was a continuation from what had happened in his films. Yeah, like it, it did, they didn't feel like cheap cameos. They were baked in 
as yeah. as as follow-ups like here is these characters have grown in this in the years and decades since and here's yeah. where they are i just like even the throwaway line of, of toby mcguire being like oh i've been stabbed a few times before it's fine <laughs> them, them <laughs> talking about how toby mcguire is the only one with webs that actually come out of his arms yeah. is one of my favorite dial pieces of dialogue in a marvel movie or yeah. Andrew garfield complaining that he didn't get to meet an alien yeah. <laughs> like my, my only gripe with the movie majorly and it was fully like of just marvel's own making was that they teased the fact that venom was going to be in it and they just didn't follow through on that he was well, that's, that's a but sony not, not, not substantial no fair. but i mean they're 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 pushing you know they're built setting stuff up for future installments yeah i know but it's also but like i i i i I love those Venom movies. And so I did spend about half, half of that movie banging on. I was like, where's my Eddie? Where's I know, my Eddie? But, but, <laughs> when are they going to get this way? Like, <laughs> like I, I mean, you are right. But like the, the fact that they didn't do the Venom crossover with Spider-Man means they can just make a whole film out of that. If they did it mm. now, you'd have 10 minutes max. Do you, do you know, know what, I mean? what I loved though, right? They brought pretty much everyone back from all three movies, except for the worst ones who were Venom from Spider-Man 3 and the, the green hobgoblin guy from uh, Andrew Garfield's second Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Fair. They just left though, because they knew they were terrible. Well, the rhino as well, but like... And the rhino was kind of a, I, a, a Nick, drive-by. Listen, I want to take... I want to take a Paul Giamatti being in this movie. That I would I would have accepted. I mean, that. it's a sinister five. Get one more. <laughs> <laughs> like I thought they like like I mean like Kev saying I thought Venom would turn up for a minute just so you get the full six or maybe they bring back Mysterio for half a second just well, so I mean, you could have your Spider Man framed it. moment or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like maybe it's... they are going to do a Sinister Six movie and they don't want to like kind of blow the prestige of doing that by only having so, five. That definitely seems to be what they're going for because like you keep just seeing friggin' Michael Keaton show up in things. Um, oh yeah, he's still alive. God. Yeah. And yeah. Scorpion's in jail with him. God, yeah. I, I can't keep, I need a charge to keep And don't now. forget about <laughs> Morbius. Yeah. I, I actively forget about Morbius on purpose every single day. You're right. I, you know what? You're not wrong. I go out of my way to forget about Morbius. Every day I remind myself to forget about Morbius. <laughs> every day I wake up and think, should I think about Jared Leto today? And I think, no. Do you know what? Every day is a good day that you don't think about Jared Leto. Yeah. Can I actually? Can I actually just say the recurrent release date for Morbius is April first. <laughs> that that can't be real. We live in a simulation. There was it's the... like it's been, it's the most pushed back movie in history. It has to be at this point. There was um oh what was there was a film that uh, Jared Leto was in recently um oh what was it the it was the the House of Gucci. Where there was a, I remember watching a review from it with uh, Mark Commode, where he just said, can, talking about Leto's performance and it, where he was saying, like, can this guy just act like he's in the same movie as everyone else for once? <laughs> I have, that is not what you get him for. I, I have not stopped thinking about that, about that now, ever since I heard it. And the thing is, though, that's the thing when he's good in a movie, he's doing that, and the director knows he's doing that. To go back to Villeneuve, that's what mm. he does in Blade Runner, and it works. I was about to say, Blade Runner 2, mm. yeah, perfect. That's what he there, did in like... Fight Club. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, Wait, what? He was in Fight Club. He was uh, Angel Face. He, yeah, he no got way. his face absolutely demolished. Huh? Yeah, he got his his he got his skis rocked. Yeah. Um, I think the only film he's ever done where he didn't do that was um, um, was where he didn't just like pretend to be in a completely different film to everyone else was um girl interrupted and uh, no um the the Matthew it, McConaughey one um no it, the one I'm thinking of is uh Requiem for a Dream he's in that too yeah he's in, yeah <laughs> Requiem for a Dream is a film is like you know pretty much a like career best performances for both him and for um marlon wayans who i genuinely did not think could act before i saw that film 
<laughs> oh, actually, I don't want to change the topic again, again. But speaking of not being able to act, did you hear the Razzie news this week? No. Uh, so uh, are you aware of Bruce Willis doing less than good films recently? Recently? Yes, recent. How recently? In, in the last two years. Like, I was going to say last 15, but sure, yeah. Like, let's, <laughs> Well, you know. no, it's I, I won't get into it because, like, you know, kind of red letter media and all that kind of stuff have covered it already. But, like, basically, he's been doing these, like, kind of cheapo, like, direct-to-video action movies for the past two years. He's no. wrapped up 11 in one year or something like that. And now the Razzies have had... It's, it's those movies where... He's in it for two minutes and he's 90% of the budget, but they put him on the poster, that kind of thing. And it's really cheap. Oh, brilliant. So, anyway, yeah. they have had to create a category at the Razzies just for Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> five times for five different movies, all from the same production company. I'm oh, going to get brilliant. the details of it now. Well, I mean, like, yeah, I'm not surprised he's only going to be in it for two minutes. I think he, like, I think every contract he signs, he has, he is only on for one day of shooting. It's something oh, like that. Yeah. It's like two days shooting and he gets paid like a couple of million dollars, that kind of thing. I think the last thing I saw him in was like probably Glass and that movie just did not need to be made. Oh, that God. is the last, you're right, Kate, that mm. is the last like studio big budget thing he's done in the last four or five years. I voided that from my mind because I, I I was thinking about Die Hard 5 when I was trying to think of the last thing I saw him in. Yeah, I think Die and Hard like, 5 might be the end. Split started out so good, mm. like so good, and then they did Glass, and it was like, oh, they're superheroes. Yeah, <laughs> but that that was just shy. I'm like uh, trying to chase a trend. It seems more yeah. than anything else. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure the last thing I saw Bruce Willis do, from, like from a big budget film thing, was Die Hard Five, and I mean, like that just did not need to be made. Yeah, the other <laughs> thing before that was red. The thing about the old retired people being thrown. Oh yeah, yeah I saw yeah, red yeah. too recently. Yeah, red was okay. It was yeah. it was the most okay film I've ever seen. It I, I think it's really interesting to compare it to the graphic novels based on. Okay. Um, because like they kind of just took the title and not a lot else. <laughs> <laughs> they did an the, I Am Legend the, job. Yeah, I mean it's it's but the very... title is just the word red. Well, like they, they 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 basically just like took, like they took like they took like a fraction of the premise, and the title, and that's it, pretty much. It's like it's like Wanted or um or I Am Legend, where it's very in name only. Yeah, it's like very 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 loosely based. Mm. So I just want to clarify my Bruce Willis comments. A, a, I'm reading this off uh, the Sky News. A new special category was also introduced to this year's awards. Worst performance by Bruce Willis in a 2021 movie because he's going up against himself eight times for the films American Siege, uh, Apex, Cosmic Sin, Deadlock, Out of Death, and they don't list the other three, unfortunately. Aww. You know what, though? He's making his money, and that's all that matters. <laughs> No, uh, that is not all that matters. What about <laughs> integrity? This is Bruce I think Willis Bruce we're talking Willis about. Is way past integrity at this like, point. Uh, know, Bruce Willis lost integrity in Die Hard Four. <laughs> I would say Bruce Willis lost integrity in uh, After Armageddon, but like you know, like let's not split hairs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, the only thing that's got more nominations than Bruce Willis is something called Diana the Musical, which I've not heard of, and I'm very intrigued about now. Like, I'm not even one of those like seek out so bad it's good, bully and unpopular thing type people, but that's just a yeah. fantastic three words to put together to get my attention. <laughs> the only thing would yeah. be better if it was Bruce Willis the Musical. Also, Bruce, just so Bruce Willis as Diana in Diana yes! the Musical. <laughs> Make oh, it happen. Man. Yeah, take my money. Although, if we're being honest, it would be like mostly a stunt double if the other films <laughs> are anything to go by. Mm, probably. Um, um, okay. Well, I think that actually that brings us to about time. And... What? Really? Already? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I know I was late, but still. We we rode some sandworms over the dunes of irrelevant nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> For about 50 minutes straight and here we are 
and the weather outside is still sand. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, chance of worms has decreased though. (laughs) For now. (laughs) For now. Uh, So, if uh, if any of you all have anything to plug, uh, get out of the way now. All right, I'll go first because I was already arrived last. Um, Yep, you. I am currently running drama classes on behalf of all of those East Ireland on Friday evenings. If you want to try drama for free, you can find us there. The sessions are over Zoom. I am also currently reviewing all the Batman films from Geek Art, and they go out every Monday. So please check them out. Give them the clicks. I love getting the comments and arguing in Batman voices and cap locks. So find <laughs> me there. Uh, as always, Bryn, I'm going to yeah. ask you every week. <laughs> I'm going to say no, thank you, every week. And thus the cycle is complete. Katie. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually with Bryn on this one this week. I have absolutely nothing to offer and everything is great. Wonderful. <laughs> uh, and as always, you can find me on YouTube every week streaming my Greek mythology-themed Dungeons & Dragons campaign under the, under the campaign title The Odyssey of This Bish, B-I-S-H. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at KevTalica94. And you can also find uh, this show plus many of our other shows over on nerdtoknowmedia.com and on all the various socials under that name. Uh, and with that, it has been a wonderful week. Thank you all and goodbye. Bye. Bye. This is Dave Stevens from the Wrestling Rewind, the only show hosted by fans that don't hate wrestling. Watch our live videos on all streaming services and YouTube. Audio debuts Tuesdays at 8 p.m. GMT on Dublin's Phoenix FM and is available on all platforms Thursdays. All right, so you're wondering, how do I listen to you guys live? How do I check it out? Well, good news. We stream every Wednesday, 9 p.m. over on Twitch. Nerdducks, N-E-R-D-D. UX or Nerd Snow Media on YouTube or Twitch. That's how you're going to be able to catch us. Hope to see you in the live chat. You have nothing else to do on a Saturday? Do you like nerd things? Now check out Nerd Snow Basis here on Phoenix 92.5 FM, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. And then head over to nerdsnowmedia.com for all of our shows as part of the Nerd Snow Media Radio Network. Check out the Wrestling Rewind here on Phoenix 92.5 FM every Tuesday at 8pm to 9pm. And of course, over on NerdToKnowMedia.com, the only wrestling podcast by wrestling fans who don't hate wrestling. We'll see you then. You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at NerdToKnowMedia.com. from the Blanchistan Center. This is Phoenix Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production.